0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Neo Kobe Pizza, the only gaming podcast that floats in soup. My name is Mark B., and for those of you who are coming in without having listened to last week's episode, well, what the fuck are you doing here? Go back and listen to last week's episode. But, in case you're a little too busy for that, two things. First, this is a continuation of last week's podcast on Persona 5, which was essentially re-recorded from Whole Cloth in order to ensure that we essentially had... What was promised in the prior week's episode, which was a discussion of elements in Persona 5 relating to spoilery type stuff. Which leads me into the second point that I want to make here. This podcast is all sorts of full of spoilers. If you haven't played Persona 5 and you have some desire to do so, do yourself a favor. Do not listen to this particular podcast until you have done this thing. If you have already completed Persona 5 or you don't particularly give a shit about spoilers on the other hand, enjoy! All right, for those who stuck around, welcome back. So the first thing I, I kind of wanted to talk, can we, just, can we just talk about Igor for a minute just in general?
1: Yeah, that was amazing.
0: Yeah, I was, I was absolutely not expecting that to happen the way that it did because they, they initially foreshadowed this with Persona 4 Arena games. In the second game, they, they changed the Igor voice actor entirely to have the deeper voice that we had expected. If you go back and you play that game, he, he has a different voice. It's basically a completely different voice actor. So when you go into Persona 5 and Igor has this, this super deep voice, you're like, oh, okay, this is just what we're doing with Igor now. And then they get to the end of the game and, nope, fuck you! <laughs> uh,
1: to be fair, I don't think anyone took his deeper voice that calmly. There there was a lot of, fuck you, at the game. And it was nice that the game reciprocated.
0: Yeah, but I I, I feel like... Just in general, the reactions on social media, if you go back and you look, everybody at the time that it was discovered who what the voice actor was doing first off, it was like, oh, fuck, this this bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to the end of the game, and it's like, oh, if you go back and you see <laughs> what you did in the first place, it's like, wow, Atlas fucking trolled the shit out of all of us, and that's hilarious. I just think it's interesting that, like, I don't know if they necessarily intended it this way, but that they had kind of set up that this was going to be a thing that they were going to do for years. Like cuz again, they had introduced a new Igor back with Persona 4 Ermina Ultimax. N- nobody liked him, but they just they instituted that new Igor and it was it was kind of sort of setting people up to expect that this was going to be the way that new Igor sounds now. And then all of a sudden you're playing Persona 5 and it's you don't like it, but if you played Ultimax, you were like, "Oh, this is the direction that we're going in now." Okay, and then it's nope.
1: Oh, uh, and if it wasn't for that, like, dramatic—he like, disappears, the real Igor reappears, and then you're like, "No way! It's, it's it, his voice is going to be this, still going to be deep, right?" It's just no. Oh my god, I've been, I've been had.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it was really an interesting sort of thing, timing wise, because I think I think if players had come into it. And there had been no extenuating circumstances. It would have just been, what the fuck? Why is Igor's voice different? What are we doing? And I think people probably would have clued in more to what it was. But there was just that unfortunate timing of the voice actor for Igor passing away and them deciding to do this right that moment. So it, it kind of set it up like, well, why the fuck did the US have to change their voice actor just because the Japanese voice actor passed away? and then it's lol we didn't fuck you and it, it's 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 a masterful troll i think it's it's the only surprise i think that the game has to offer that nobody would have seen coming
1: oh yeah i mean on your on your stream we still cuz we're not there in the story yet not even close but mm-hmm. We're still getting people just occasionally just randomly saying, I oh, you know, I really don't appreciate Igor's new voice. I know we've said this a bunch. <laughs> like, I think it was like last week or something someone said that. I just I was like, oh.
0: Yeah, people People keep saying that. Like, nobody likes the Igor voice actor. And for me, it's just like, because <laughs> you just you can't wait until that happens, even though it's not going to be for like four months. But it's, I... it's just hilarious. Like watching everybody occasionally pipe in with, I don't like this guy. Fuck this guy. I don't like this guy. And then you you just know where it's going, and you're, like, just just waiting for that moment where it's like, <laughs> fuck you!
1: I know, you, like, I, I do the giddy little laugh thing, too, and I'm just like, oh. I, I, I want them to know, but I want them to find out, like, the same way I did.
0: Yeah, like, I feel like that's one of the better things about this is, I mean, there's always gonna be assholes who wanna troll and spoil shit, but I haven't really seen a lot of people, and I mean people who've beaten the game, who are talking about the Igor reveal on social media in any capacity. And I'm sure that there are some people, but it feels like, by and large, a lot of folks are like, no, I want you to fucking find out the same way I did. And I kind of love that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm hoping that's the reason, and not, not that there aren't enough people to that have gotten that far in the game.
0: I know a few people who are actually playing the game and haven't made a lot of progress in it, like... I know Steven's not going to be able to listen to this until like 2018. <laughs> yep. And Jack is on the last dungeon according to what he told me and it's just he's just waiting to eventually get through it. So it's one of the conversations that I'm actually having with a few people is that a couple like the last few dungeons in the game kind of wear out the game's welcome and only having played through them once, I don't know that I have an opinion on that a hundred percent, but thinking back to them, I can kind of understand where we're coming from with that.
1: Uh yeah, you know, I, I just finished my second playthrough. So I, I can kind of see that. It I I would think it would depend on what you're doing with it. I mean, I was I, I dropped it down to safety mode for my second run. The dungeons took significantly less time. Like, I think the first time I went through Shido's dungeon, it was like four plus hours it took me to get through the whole damn thing. And when I just did it last week or so, it was maybe two. And that was mostly because of the story sequences. Yeah. Like, it also helped that I was like level 99, so anything that I ambushed immediately, you know, just died.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. And I feel like, again, I've only been through the dungeons once, but I haven't gone through the Shido dungeon jacked out, massively roided up, and ready to fucking pound the shit out of everything. But, I do definitely feel like the Shido dungeon is not my favorite.
1: I like the lore of it.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Aesthetically, it's great. The, the way that it is designed conceptually is really interesting. Mechanically, I'm not so thrilled about it.
1: Yeah, uh, running around as a mice is cool, in theory. But it just turns those puzzles into just obnoxious grinds. While you're like, okay, is it time to now to hit the switch? No. Okay, so I still run around as a mouse. Okay, now I was supposed to go back and turn turn the switch. And then I have to run back all the way to the other side of the dungeon to open a door. To run back and turn the switch again so I can turn back into a mouse. I, it's a whole thing. I mean, I, w- I managed to get through it really quickly the second time. Because I, I knew the game's tricks. But it was still just
0: a slog. Yeah, the mouse part in particular is absolutely a really bad decision, I think. I mean,
1: it only had two Yusuke puns. It needed at least a few more. Mm. I think that would have helped tremendously.
0: I think it would have helped tremendously if they just hadn't turned it into mice, but whatever.
1: But I, Okay, but I think that preposterous pun was at least worth it for the first time. Just, just because he kept on egging Futaba on, on with it. I thought that was fantastic.
0: Yeah, I really enjoy their character interplay as a whole. Just the interactions that they have and just basically how shitty they are to one another is is just i love both of you like not sexually or anything but you're both great and you can hang around with me anytime absolutely yeah beyond beyond that dungeon or specifically the mouse stuff i did not like some of the backtracking that you had to do in that dungeon like how you had to go all the way to the engine room and then go somewhere else and then come back to the engine room it did let you warp at some points, at some points.
1: No, no, when, when you when you went, when you you had to go back to the engine room, I mean, apart from, I think, when you immediately defeat the fourth guy to mm-hmm. so get the letter of introduction, the IT guy, you have to run back, and it's not that far, but it is kind of annoying.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's the problem is just that they set up so many great scenarios where you don't have to do that ever in the game that when it yeah. does happen, it's egregious just because it exists.
1: There are a few points in that like I know in the first dungeon it does that a bunch. Like when you have to go and find the villain that is holding the key, there's also a Kumara's dungeon where you're running around forever trying to you fight different level employees in order to get higher level badges and it does it like three times before you're allowed to go on and you're just oh, running through fuck, the same areas.
0: Fuck that.
1: You forgot about that, huh?
0: <laughs> no, I didn't forget about it. I was just I was just waiting until we got there, but yeah. I I said Back when we played Tokyo Mirage Sessions on the live streams, I was not a big fan of the way that the dungeon design went in Tokyo Mirage Sessions. So for me, the idea that they were going to static designs for Persona 5 didn't inspire a lot of faith. And to be fair, the earlier dungeons in Persona 5 are mostly fine. But the... I want to say last three dungeons... In particular are just really fucking frustrating in a lot of ways the last dungeon is not as bad as it could be it's just long but the other two have mechanics that i just i do not ever want to deal with again
1: the last dungeon is in uh the, the Mementos one okay yes. yeah i actually really like that one even the second time through
0: i like the aesthetics of it and the puzzles that they have are actually fine the one thing I hated about that dungeon was that it was just so fucking long. It's it, it, it's a fucking a time slog, and I was not a huge fan of that. But in retrospect, playing through it again... Like, I haven't gotten there, but I can see how playing through it again with everybody jacked out at 99, I'm not going to care, you know? Yeah,
1: re- re-performing is a fantastic idea, if you're tired of those things.
0: Yeah, I feel like in comparison, however... The two dungeons prior to that, the Okumura dungeon and the final dungeon that they do... No, I'm sorry, the last three dungeons, because I'm absolutely certain I haven't gotten there yet. I'm absolutely certain the Okumura dungeon is going to piss me off on stream, because I hate the timing puzzles with the conveyor belts and the smashing devices and shit, and I'm not going to be thrilled about having to do that again and I'm not going to be thrilled about the question-and-answer period with the fucking monsters.
1: Yeah, okay, the the, the, the question-and-answer period, yeah, that's obnoxious. The conveyor belt thing, I found that ridiculously easy the second time through, not just because I, I wasn't over-leveled yet at that point, but mostly because I knew you only had to hit him once, as long as you weren't trying to hit every treasure chest and stuff. Yeah. And there's no reason to do that in your second playthrough, because you have way better gear than you're going to get. True. So doing it only once saved a ridiculous amount of time. And I also knew from experience that you kind of need to clear out all the enemies first because one of them will hit you and you will have to go back and hit the damn button again. Because the timer goes. That, that drove me nuts.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's going to be, like, it's going to be a little bit better just because we know what to expect, or I know what to expect going through yeah. it. Like, cause, because Futaba's dungeon, the first time I went through it was just, it just felt like a long slog. And the second time around, just recently, I did not enjoy the fact that, for whatever reason, I missed one of the Switches, basically. Or not one of the Switches, one of the um, gems or whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. And I don't like that, for whatever reason, it took me ten fucking minutes to remember where it was when the first time through I had no problems finding this on my own. So I feel like there are certain mechanics where you kind of need to be really inquisitive, like that that initial inquisitive nature is needed. Because if you're at the point where you're just like, whatever, I'm not going to run around with the tech division on all the fucking time, you're going to miss shit, and it's going to take you 20 minutes of going, what the fuck, before you actually get back and find the thing that you're looking for.
1: Yeah, I, that's always been a problem with dungeons in pretty much any genre, though. So... I mean, it's it's obviously a bummer that we haven't evolved past that yet, but I've come to expect that from any Japanese game, in particular Japanese RPG.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. I I will I will definitely agree with that. The other thing that really kind of interests me, pound for pound, is outside of the like the the Smash platforms and whatnot, No Kuma's dungeon. I definitely feel like the Casino dungeon is going to be long and drawn out for a second playthrough because of the way that they do everything R e run to the opposite end of the fucking earth just to get some extra fucking tokens like they don't make you do the gambling minigames fortunately but i i definitely feel like there's going to be like it just is going to feel like it's a long slog and the one thing that i've kind of noticed that i didn't really get to until the very end of the game last time that i have now is is the Ryuji Persona Mask special ability, where if you max out his social link and you run up on monsters and sneak up on them and get them, you just rip their masks off if they're at a lower level than you and you don't even have to fight them.
1: Yeah, that is both incredibly annoying and incredibly useful depending Mm -hmm. on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to just zip through a dungeon, that is ridiculously helpful. If you were trying to complete your compendium or lower the, I actually know that still works, you still lower the security level. But if you're trying to level fight things, Yeah, if you're trying to fight
0: for any reason, it's bullshit. I wish that there was a way to turn that off, and I wish that Atlas yeah. had realized how annoying that would fucking be. Because you'll want to grind out on enemies that are a lower level.
1: All I have to say is, thank God, that doesn't work on Treasure Demons. I would have yeah. thrown a controller through the window cuz that was all I needed to finish my compendium and they were like level 50 or something like that.
0: No, actually, you know what? Since you automatically get the mask, I I feel like if that had worked on treasure demons, that would have been good
1: because oh, yeah, okay. there are yeah. a
0: couple, there are a couple I still have not completed yet. But
1: you only get you'd have to make sure that you uh had an empty, empty slot and if you fucked up there, some of them take forever to appear.
0: Yeah, but if you don't have an empty slot before you jump into that battle, you can't make one in the middle of that battle. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess if you have it, but captured, you would you still can be able to play something. So it's yeah, it's, it's that's fair, I suppose. That's what I did
1: because I, I I had a full list because I just generally had one running around because I would accidentally grab something. I would go to fight something and I would accidentally ambush them because it's a pain in the ass sometimes in mementos. Yeah, but at least you you can actually do that without having to worry about a security level and getting attacked on your on your own so that's
0: good. No no definitely. I I feel like I feel like there's a couple of things in the game that seem like they're really useful and then it's just like it gets kind of frustrating the way that they actually work. But that is the most egregious example of something that I'm sure the development team thought was great and it is, but not all the time.
1: Yeah. I mean I mean the good news is if they wanted to they could patch it out, but I'm pretty sure we're never going to get anything like that. I don't think it's had an update, has it?
0: I don't think it has. I don't think they would patch it out. Like, I think if they had thought it was an issue in the Japanese version of the game, we would have yeah. gotten it fixed in the first place. I do not think that we are going to see anything come out for that outside of additional DLC, i.e. the maid costumes that are out, or the various costumes from the different games that are out. Also, can I just make the observation, R. e. the different costumes that they have, while most of the costumes make sense, I don't feel like the battle theme for the Persona 4 costumes makes a whole lot of sense.
1: The Persona 4 or Persona 4 Dancing
0: All Night? Persona 4. The Persona 4 Dancing All Night costumes, I like the choice of the theme. I just wish that it like you didn't have to wait a good 30 seconds for it to actually kick in proper. Because if you're using those costumes for regular monster grinding, you're going to just hear those opening notes and nothing else for a long fucking time.
1: I completely... I mean, I, I agree with you on the opening being way too long, but choosing, like, the actual theme from the game, not only is it, does that song build up quicker, it's also more fitting with the damn clothes they're wearing. The dance theme.
0: Yeah, I would have been okay with that.
1: But, like, I mean, it's also... also I mean, how many times am I going to have to hear Reach Out for the
0: Truth? Well, to be fair, I feel like that should have been the Persona 4 costume song because that would have been accurate. It's the song you immediately associate with combat in Persona 4. So the Persona 4 costumes, I don't remember what the song is that they use, but it's not Reach Out for the Truth. It's not a song that you associate with Persona 4 much at all. Isn't
1: it time to make history?
0: Yeah. And it's weird. That's the other combat theme though. Yeah, but like you don't really hear that combat theme often if at all. Like there's There's a small handful of times where they break that out, but it's not a boss theme, and it's not a default theme. It's just one of those things they use for a few special battles that, like, it's rare enough that it's not a thing you're going to associate with Persona 4. And they do it constantly now, and it's just, okay, all right.
1: All I can think of is that they wanted to do both themes, and for whatever reason, their special version of Reach Out for the Truth was from dancing all night and they didn't have a special version of uh time to make history history, apart from unless you want to do the uh remix of it which
0: Mm.
1: i mean i like him but it's definitely weird without kanji dancing like an idiot to it yeah and i would want to see kanji
0: yeah no absolutely i agree (laughs) with that although you were giving me shit about liking kanji the other day sir so fuck you
1: i never said anything about kanji not liking kanji I'm just saying, you started gushing in in a way that you yell at me yeah, about. Yeah, alright,
0: you know what, can we can we fucking, can we take a fucking minute here, mister, mister, oh, you like kanji so much, oh, at the, at the drop of a hat, you start gushing about kanji. <laughs> Listen, kanji's a good character, and fuck you.
1: <laughs> That's what I'm saying about Makoto, and, and you're sending me vomiting puppet emojis, or gifs.
0: I'm sending you vomiting puppet emojis because you're putting up gross shit, sir
1: i didn't put up anything
0: that was i don't even remember what it was that was in response to actually eileen posted something i have used that i have used that emoji so many times in the past couple of weeks no yeah it was
1: eileen retweeting something about uh today being makoto's 18th birthday Jumped, oh, right, right, yeah, I, just, I was doing it I just joked, oh, ew. so you're saying she's of age now, and that, that's what I got. Yeah,
0: like, we're all, like, I'm almost fucking 40. I don't know exactly how you are, but I know you're in that wheelhouse. I, I'm 30. Like, what's that? I'm 30. You're 30?
1: Yeah, I just turned 30 in April.
0: That's still, like, 12 years. It's, that's, like, creepy uncle. Ugh. That's still a lot better than 22. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Blah. Look,
1: there would be less of a difference between me and her than there would be between you and Kanji. I don't want to fuck Kanji.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> also, can I just say for a moment, like the fan art that I keep seeing for this game, I don't know, man. I just I don't know at all.
1: It's mostly main character and a catchy, isn't it? Or Yusei? That,
0: no, that's mostly just what we see from Eileen. Which, Eileen is going to listen to this someday, and I just I just want her to know, Oh, honey, I wanted to tell you so many times, but no. Bad. Ah. <laughs> uh. But, you know, at least she has an excuse. She just thinks that, you know, Akechi's the, the pretty detective right now. Uh. Like, when she realizes that he's fucking Adachi but worse, I, I think she'll kind of be like, Oh, why did I do that? There are people who are like, no, I legitimately want to see these two paired up. And I'm like, you know what? At least when D kind of objectifies Adachi, she realizes that she's fucking horrible for doing it. I think a lot of these people think this is a legitimately good pairing. And I'm like, no, you guys are gross.
1: I would also, I I think, I think Adachi's still worse. I mean, obviously Akechi has a far larger body count to his name, but like Adachi did it specifically because he took pleasure from what he was doing he did it to entertain himself.
0: Yeah, I guess it's it's kind of a case of... Which makes you worse? The sheer volume of things that you've done... Or the motivation relative to the volume? Because...
1: I mean... Given as much time as Akechi had... I think Adachi could have hit that number too.
0: Yeah, but... Adachi stops... After the second time. You know... he He ultimately chooses to... Push somebody else into it. Now, to be fair... If that person had not been throwing people into the TV, it is very possible that Adachi might have gone back to his ways. And he did throw a third person in, but it was more of a case of political expediency rather than any particular desire to get off on that person being killed. His motivations are worse, but by and large, he does less. Akechi's motivations are arguably better, but I feel like like the self-righteousness that he has about it is a problem. Because yeah. he, he legitimately feels like he's doing the right thing, which is arguably worse in some respects. Like, Adachi knows what he's doing is wrong. He just doesn't care. Akechi actively thinks that he's doing the right thing by hurting all of these people, and that's... Both are bad, but for different reasons, I think.
1: I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting line, specifically because of... The terminology the game uses, I don't think he believes it's the right thing, but he thinks it's the just thing.
0: Yeah, that's a more appropriate way of explaining it. Like, I don't think he thinks it's morally, ethically right, but he he believes it is the correct activity for him to undertake. He believes it is the correct path for him to walk, which is interesting. the The other thing that I think is really kind of compelling with the way that they structure this conceptually is a catchy... Does a lot of fucking awful shit. Like, Adachi is bad, but the characters kind of get to him at this point where he, he I guess, can kind of sort of be talked down from the ledge, so to say. Like, we kind of see him, quote-unquote, face-turn at the end of Persona 4 Arena Ultimax.
1: Oh, okay, I don't, I never finished that, so I don't remember yeah, like that. Yeah, like, at the
0: very end, he he helps Yu Narukami beat the bad guy, which was which... neat.
1: I mean, I could say we could potentially get down the line for a catchy if we're led to believe he legitimately is dead, then maybe not. But they
0: give us no indication that he's not dead. They could bring him back if they want to do a persona five arena or persona did... five dancing all night.
1: Yeah, and he did have a change of heart essentially. But damn it. That freaking game ruined that phrase. I did not even intend for that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, I Okay. But yeah, like the, the the thing is, is like even with the change of heart, it's I feel like for a catchy, it's going to be a lot worse because he murdered a lot of fucking people, and like it, it's implied that he murdered at least during the time period that the game is going on, he murders four different people, and to be clear, at least two of them are awful pieces of shit, but. The fact that he definitively murders, you know, at least four people that we see, and it's implied that he's murdered, like, 10, 20, 30 other people besides that, like, even if he had a change of heart, I I legitimately feel like, emotionally, he's the sort of person who, as a survivor, would be in therapy for the rest of his life, trying to cope with everything that he had done and everything that had happened, assuming that he wanted to atone.
1: That's if you look at things logically. But we know from Japan that they don't do that. So he would immediately somehow end up free and redeeming himself by doing incredible things.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's fair. I also feel like it's interesting, though, that at the end of the day, like, Akechi doesn't really have any powers as, as a detective. That he just sabotaged a bunch of shit to make it look like he was a great detective. So it's yeah, like...
1: I can't wait for Zeke to find that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna be like, aha! <laughs> when you said deduction all that time wrong, it's because you're shitty at detective work. This wasn't bad writing. You're just an asshole.
1: You know. <laughs> He'll feel so vindicated.
0: Yeah, that's gonna be a redemptive moment for him. He's gonna be like, all this time I thought that the writing was just bad. No, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> Can we also talk for a minute about the the way that this is basically the first real introduction for the Persona universe to the the SMT meta narrative of God's a dick. Yeah. Because I know you're playing Apocalypse.
1: Oh, that's made it quite clear right right from the start that everyone's a dick.
0: Yeah. And earlier games in the franchise love the idea of God being a dick. Persona has mostly stayed outside of this conversation. But if you've played the core SMT titles, in all of them, God and his representatives are assholes. Whether it be... Well, Nocturne didn't really do anything with that, but it was 1-2... Strange Journey, 4 and 4 Apocalypse all were very much about the idea of God's angels are dicks, God is a dick. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Nocturne also had some of the angels show up and be dicks, though I think at least in that case they were justified. But then in, in the Devil Survivor games, the angels are all dicks. I want to say in the Raito had Devil Summoners, the, gods, the, the angels are all dicks too. But Persona has mostly stayed out of that conversation entirely its morality has usually been very black and white, and it really hasn't approached that particular conversation. And then all of a sudden we get to Persona 5, and it's a guy who's basically pretending to be God gets murdered by a guy who's pretending to be Satan. What?
1: Yeah, what I also found really interesting about that, that I didn't notice for the first time, because I was just so invested in what was going on that I didn't have time to notice, you know, symbology. Yadabath lives, like, in the fucking subway, of and then he rises up from the ground and freaking Sataniel comes down from the heavens.
0: Yeah, they they played a lot of really interesting imagery in that. Not just not just here, but with the implicit seven deadly sins model or more accurately the nine deadly sins model which we'll get to in a minute. But I I appreciate that they they put a lot of really interesting religious imagery in this game because the Persona franchise in general has mostly stayed clear of that shit like persona 3 had a final boss that was a one of the less interesting gods in Egyptian mythology and the Thanatos build up like was interesting but it wasn't really based on anything persona 4's religious imagery was mostly based around Japanese religious imagery with Izanagi and Izanami and the power struggle associated with those characters and that was interesting but it it wasn't a thing that was going to resonate with people, I think, outside of Japan. So the, the big Christian imagery or Christ-adjacent imagery that is used in, in Persona 5 is, I think, something that is going to more readily resonate with Western gamers.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they went pretty close there. I mean, they went Holy Grail, but they refused yeah. to go quite all the way after that. But it was fairly obvious.
0: Well, I mean, Persona is the biggest of their franchises. Like, if once you get far enough into Apocalypse, you'll see that they're they're still absolutely willing to say no, fuck God, and <laughs> or as I call them, fuck record scratch noise. Because if you play enough in that game, when they start talking about God, like they just like it sounds like a fucking like yes. a distortion noise. So I just call I just call God record scratch noise now.
1: I, I saw something where it was like. um... The guy who does all the censored videos did a video on how that actually wasn't censorship, and that was that was pretty hysterical
0: yeah well it's it's interesting because they do that in japan too it's yeah. It's meant to be that way on purpose. it's not censorship, they're doing it for a reason, and if you play all the way through apocalypse, like they never come out and say why they're doing it, but you you understand why they're doing it,
1: yeah, that's basically what he said which was hysterical, considering that guy typically hates on anything. Any tiny change whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and it's it's there's a purpose for it. There's a reason for it. There's a religious reason for it that makes it really interesting when they do it. It's not just done because they don't want to say Yahweh. Yeah. Because in 2017, most people do not give a shit about the true name of the Lord Yahweh because that's 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 kind of that's mostly kind of a thing that's only going to matter to specific subsets of Christianity and Judaism. By and large a lot of people are not specifically interested in the idea of pronouncing the true name of the Lord, YHVH, as a thing. Like, a lot of people who are religious probably don't even think about that and might not even necessarily tie that in.
1: Unless they've seen Indiana Jones.
0: It's not a respect thing. It's not a censorship thing. They're doing it because they're trying to to tell you something. They're trying to make something apparent to you if you pay attention.
1: I I did want to... You mentioned in Persona 3... Thanatos?
0: That's the final persona that the main character summons.
1: That's a Greek one.
0: Yep. Don't know what the association is between Thanatos and Nyx, or why they do that.
1: Death. He's uh, the god of death.
0: Okay, so that that explains it from an imagery perspective, because Persona 3's major arc phrases are death and trust, I think. Like, that's the the major arc concept.
1: Most people think of Hades, but Hades is actually just, I think, the god of the underworld. Not the god of death, as weird as that is.
0: Nyx, I think, was supposed to be some sort of Egyptian god of death, or god of the night as well, but it was just such a, it's just such a fucking third-tier god that you're like, really? This is not very impressive. I am not impressed about this at all. Hold (laughs) on.
1: Thanatos is a son of Nyx. Wikipedia is very helpful. That came up without me even looking it up. I was just already on the page.
0: See, I didn't even, I didn't even see that because Nyx was generally associated as being an Egyptian god. So that's very strange.
1: Now, Nyx is the Greek goddess of the night.
0: Right. Okay. The Greek goddess of the night. All right. So even if that's still like a a mother son sort of relationship, like the goddess of the night is going to come and kill us all. Fuck you.
1: I've seen weirder. I mean, uh, there was a God of War game where you had to st- save the world from the god of dreams.
0: It's not a question of it being weirder, necessarily. It's just... The first two Personas are very much against entities that are presented as being powerful to where, if you do any kind of cursory research, you'll nod and go, Yes, okay, that makes sense, and I understand that. I don't remember exactly who the first boss was. I think it was just something related to the guy who ends up summoning the Distortion universe from the first Persona game. But in Persona... Innocent Sin and Eternal Punishment... Persona 2 Eternal... Innocent Sin and Eternal Punishment, excuse me. The the, the final boss is fucking Yaroth from fucking Cthulhu mythology, from, you know, like one of the great old ones. <laughs> and he ain't nobody to fuck with in terms of what he is capable of and what he is associated with in Lovecraftian mythology. So that works. Persona 4 is Izanagi and Izanami literal god and goddess of creation and while that particular creation myth is kind of weird at the very least I can nod and go okay this is a legit god and goddess of creation I understand why that's some shit and Persona 5 you kind of have to do some research to get a full understanding of the Satanael, uh Yaldabaoth religious iconography as such but they are represented as being appropriately powerful, even within the particular religious doctrine they exist in.
1: That's not supposed to be Satan and God?
0: <sighs> not exactly. It's complicated. It kind uh-huh. of is. But Yaldabaoth is technically supposed to be kind of a fake version of God. And Satan-ael is, is Satan-adjacent, but isn't exactly Satan.
1: Which is funny, because you can actually summon Satan.
0: <laughs> yes. But it's... it's um. I don't know if you played El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron. I did not. Okay. This was a game that came out on, I want to say, PlayStation 3. Yes. I've heard of it. Okay. And it was very much a game that people did not necessarily talk a whole lot about, but was based off of biblically adjacent texts. They were written around the time of the Bible. They were about topics that would have appeared in the Bible, but they were considered to be at the time heretical doctrine so they were never actually included in the bible yaldabaoth and sataniel kind of occupy similar space in that regard in that they exist in texts from around that time period that are biblically adjacent but are not actually bible concepts but no yaldabaoth and sataniel are not actually meant to directly be god and the devil they're god and the devil light essentially okay so if if you are the sort of person who you know, who, who who shrinks away from the idea of actually kicking God's shit in? Good news, Persona Five is not making you kick God's shit in. You you <laughs> still have to go to Persona Four Apocalypse to do that, or I'm sorry, SMT Four Apocalypse to do that.
1: Oh, spoiler!
0: It's not that much of a spoiler. They're they're kind of positioning it that like you're going to fight God and Satan eventually.
1: You could also just play Final Fantasy Tactics and. See if you actually catch on, which, I mean, it's pretty blatant. I mean, you were literally fighting Jesus after you've taken down all 12 disciples.
0: Yeah. Japanese have a really complicated relationship with Christianity, just in general.
1: Hey, but it was awesome. I mean, especially since the the final disciple is a lion,
0: which... Oh, uh, Lion Witch of the Wardrobe, okay. Yes,
1: uh, I was going to say some C.S. Lewis stuff there. I don't know if Japan actually reads that, but if that's where they got that from and it wasn't just a coincidence because that was the Leo sign from the Zodiac, that would be amazing.
0: I would imagine that they're aware of the imagery, even if it's not necessarily a thing that they've read. I don't know if C.S. Lewis tracks over there, but I'm sure they're aware of it on some fundamental level. Now, I do also want to actually address the, like the Seven Deadly Sins stuff, mm-hmm. just because it's, it's something that they don't necessarily do a lot to draw attention to
1: yeah not as it's happening um yaldabaoth talks about the deadly sins when he's doing his attacks but that's about it and he doesn't reference the other people while he's doing it
0: yeah they 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 don't draw a huge amount of attention to it but they do make it something that is obvious if you're looking for it
1: right with the calling cards they usually mention it something yes
0: exactly like they don't mention it at first but as you play through like if you if you're keeping an eye out for it it becomes something where you're like oh all right this is this is how we're tracking this it's interesting because they're not using the seven deadly sins but the the more i don't want to say traditional but the the more historical nine deadly sins which is really interesting because it it's another case of them kind of going kind of going to the old world, as it were, to get the shit that they want to reference in the game.
1: Yeah. It's is, it is definitely interesting how they did that. It's, and The hopeful side of me is hoping that it was done artistically and not in the hopes of just adding more stuff to it.
0: I absolutely feel like this, this being Atlas in general, that they had an understanding of where they wanted to go with it and why they were choosing to do it. I, I want to say that it is also meant to be sort of narratively adjacent to the Christian-esque imagery of the monsters that you are facing, the boss that you are facing, the act of rebellion versus the structure of Yaldavalth, cetera, so on. I, I feel like it's neat that they actually went for the nine deadly sins instead of the seven deadly sins, even though that's something that's going to require a lot of research for most people, because, like, apathy as a deadly sin is generally sort of reconciled with sloth in this day and age. Yeah. And I want to say vanity is not something that we generally necessarily utilize as...
1: It gets mixed in with pride.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's just interesting that they go that route, but by the same token, it also it, it gives you enough bosses to cover the space that they want to cover. Yeah. Because they want to make sure that they have enough bosses for all of the fights that you have to get into. I don't know that we'll see that particular imagery again anytime soon. At least I would certainly hope not. Let's not go to the wall multiple times there. But it's neat seeing them kind of like drag that sort of stuff out. I can't imagine thematically where you could go next when your last three games have been Greek-adjacent mythology, Japan mythology, and, you know, Christian mythology.
1: And you said they already did Egyptian and Lovecraftian.
0: Well, Lovecraftian was in the... I want to say the first three games, technically, because Persona 1 and Persona 2s mm. are directly sequels to one another.
1: So they could go to Egyptian, then?
0: They could go to Egyptian. I do not know how well that would work, 100%. I,
1: I would say, though, if that's a little sketchy, I mean... I could see them also going with Hindu. I mean, there are a ton of personas and or demons from there.
0: Mm. I, I feel like Egyptian might actually work, but the thing is, is that they've used it for thematic stuff in the past. Yeah, like, so I'm not 100% sure how well you could tie it in as a a framing theme for the whole game. It would definitely work. Yeah, we
1: did just have an Egyptian level.
0: Yeah, it's it's that's the one thing I think that would make it easier for them to do is that aside from you know the fact that they have tied this stuff in before so it wouldn't seem completely out of place it's easier to do this sort of stuff with dead religions like if they had gone straight up god the devil in persona 5 i think once people got far enough into it we probably would have seen some people backlashing on it yeah so the fact that they're going god the devil adjacent is probably smarter because like these are characters that most people unless you're you know actively a biblical scholar are not going to know anything about without a couple of good Wikipedia searches.
1: So probably something like Egyptian or perhaps Norse. Probably Hindu would be a bad idea, then.
0: Yeah, for for Persona in particular, I would stick to dead religions, honestly. Living religions tend to have the unfortunate side effect where living people practice these living religions and will livingly kick your ass if you, you know, shit on their religion. So, like, the SMT franchise is not afraid to say God's a dick because you know, like, way less people play those than play the Persona games. I suppose. I I think I think if like we got to a point where there was an actual SMT title that did like two million copies, Atlas would get fucking spit roasted. I th-
1: I think Atlas Japan would laugh their asses off while Atlas North America just wept.
0: Yeah, because they would be the ones like Atlas Japan would not give a shit. Japanese no. players do not care. But yeah, Atlas America would have to deal with that shit show, and I am absolutely not certain that they are prepared to have that conversation, ever. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like we're at the point now where eventually Sega of America would have to step in and tell them, look, no, we we, we really can't do this anymore. Somebody's, somebody's going to, like, blow something up. But it's, it's still, it's interesting that we've gotten this close and nobody's said anything about it yet, so who knows? Yeah, I
1: mean... There there was no backlash over FFT, as far as I know.
0: Yeah. Although, again, like, that's... It's thematic. It's not... It's implicit, not explicit.
1: I don't know, man. Like, that is some pretty... I mean, you have to be wanting it to not be that... To not be Christian in order for it to not be Christian. I mean... Also,
0: Final Fantasy Tactics was not super popular as such. What? Final Fantasy Tactics was not super popular as such.
1: I I'm pretty sure it would have done better than Persona. I don't know. I I, I absolutely
0: I absolutely think the original Final Fantasy Tactics did not do better than Persona.
1: I don't know. It was a pretty. It's been like ported a bunch.
0: It has been ported several times. But the thing is, is that that game took forever to go Greatest Hits. And before it went Greatest Hits, it was a game that was over a hundred dollars on eBay. Even after it went Greatest Hits, the Greatest Hits version, I think, now is still pretty expensive to get. If a game is not super heavily in circulation, it will tend to go up in price. Now, to be fair, Final Fantasy VII, for a hot minute, was expensive on the original PlayStation, despite the fact that it, too, went Greatest Hits. So, it's possible that there just may not be many in circulation, but a lot of people still have copies. But I do feel like Final Fantasy Tactics, in particular, was a game that got a reprint more so because... They didn't sell a lot of them, but there became demand after the fact, and they wanted to fill it. Okay. That game moved some copies. It's it's beloved. I don't think it was a heavy seller at the time. I guess
1: it. I guess it depends on what we're talking about. Uh, heavy seller. I, I, it did better in Japan than it did in the U.S. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm looking at just a Wikipedia page, so who knows how accurate that is. But it would have done over. It looks probably. Probably over half a million, which was not too shabby in PS1 days.
0: Yeah, that's fair, I feel like. I, I feel like, is, in in general, we're probably in a position now where these sorts of games are starting to draw more and more attention. I don't think it's... Again, I don't think it's going to be a big thing, but I will be very interested yeah. to see how all of this works out.
1: I, I think, if it were to be... I guess... Realistically speaking, if it were to be a problem, it would be a bigger problem now simply because of the way our connectivity works. I mean, anything is a giant issue in a matter of seconds because of Twitter and Facebook. So, all it would take is a, the right two or three people making a fuss about it and it would be everywhere. Whereas that would be a lot harder to do even 20 years ago when tactics came out.
0: Yeah, that's true. The only other thing I think I really want to get to here is I'm not super mad at the way the whole Morgana thing ended up shaking out, but I really just hope we never do this shit ever again, or at least not for a while. Right. When they did the whole thing that is not human, has to fucking deal with humanity-type concept in Persona 3 with Igis and then later Medicine Labras, I was like, you know what? Fine. I don't like this particular character, but I I appreciate that this is a a narrative that we want to tell. When they did it in Persona Four, I was like, "All right, this is a thing that's happening. Fine. And at least let's not do this again.
1: Got a human body.
0: Yeah, uh, I did like the fact that they didn't they didn't go to oh Morgana ends up being human at the end, though. I do really feel like it's gonna be fucked up, like having human sentience in a cat body that's only gonna live like you know ten or twelve years.
1: Especially since like only what. Six people can hear him speak?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also, actually, let's let's come back to the Morgana thing for a second. Here's the thing that I kind of wonder about the ending of that game in general. Why does the protagonist leave?
1: They, they even, like, I, 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 I just saw it again. They even kept telling him he didn't have to leave.
0: Yeah. In Persona 3, the protagonist is decidedly presented as being more or less a person with no family who comes to this place and finally gets the opportunity to settle down and have friends. Then they kill him. But, at the very least, like, that establishes that he could stay, but he just, you know, fucking dies at the end. Whatever. In Persona 4, they decidedly establish it that the main character is just going away for a year because his parents have to go on a business trip. Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of work your parents do that you have to fucking go live with a relative for a literal calendar year, but... In the anime, they actively establish that people are sad that he is leaving. Like, they give you a little scene of him going, and, like, everybody being like, "Oh, that sucks. And they establish that, like, he, he has something to go back to. He keeps coming back to the world of Persona 4, but at the very least, it's established that he does have a family to go back to, that there, there's no real establishment of independence or whatever. In Persona 5, they make it fairly apparent that the protagonist is kind of on his fucking own, and even if his parents are doing whatever here, that, like, he could probably just go on his own at this point, and that'd be the end of it. Like, I imagine his parents probably love him because they paid somebody else to take him for a year to help him finish out that one term of school.
1: And yeah, It's not like Sojiro wouldn't have, like, instantly agreed to let him just work there to pay his way i mean he basically or or was doing that anyway
0: yeah and further to the point it's not like like we're not told how much money his parents paid for him to stay there but i have to imagine if he just said like you know what mom and dad uh i've actually set up really well here i want to finish out my last year of high school here and Mm -hmm. then go to college in tokyo i'm pretty sure that they would have probably said all right fuck it whatever
1: especially in japan
0: Yeah, like this is this is a thing that is very different for American cultures. But in in Japanese cultures, it's that's more readily a thing that happens like their entire country is much more condensed down from where we are. So it's here. You'll have a lot of people who if they have to move to the big city to work in many cases often have to move multiple states away in Japan, it's. Chances are good that you're still within a train ride home,
1: yeah, and it's very, very common for them to have people who are in high school or just in their mid teens to late teens just have a tiny little apartment for themselves that they go to use between going to school and back and forth,
0: yeah, and it's i i just I feel like this protagonist above and beyond any others had no reason to return and they they spend several instances in the game establishing like you don't have to go yeah like they they never they never give us a justification for why the protagonist chooses to leave beyond i have parents to go back to
1: this also leads to just something that bothered me about this as well as four and even three to some degree in that when the game starts I understand why mechanically you don't have any real connection to where your character came from and even story-wise why you wouldn't but it, it still just feels really strange that you don't like have a friend or somebody who would still talk to you i suppose in this week we could just assume that everybody treated him like a pariah every single person that he was ever talked to you abandoned him on the spot except for his parents who just shoot him away i, I don't know it's really weird
0: yeah, I do I do really wish that they had I do really wish that they had established more of a reason for us as the players to appreciate why the protagonists would want to return. In Persona 3, they established quite clearly that the protagonist has nothing to go back to. So even if they had survived, they would have just stayed with C's. So in that regard, that's fine. In Persona 4 and Persona 5, though, like you're never given any kind of a glimpse into the life prior. And you're. I think the big problem is that this is a game that is decidedly for players who are 18 years of age or older, and a lot of people who are going to be playing it are going to be in their 20s or so. So you're kind of asking people who have probably been independent or have wanted to be independent for years to mentally rectify with the idea of playing as a 17-year-old who is going to be off on their own for the first time ever, pretty much, spending a year abroad, like, maybe they would actually... Like, if you had been put in that position, even if you made a lot of great friends while you were abroad for a year, you might want to go back home. Yeah. And the problem is, is that they don't give us as the player any real way to reconcile that within the narrative, because... Like, that's not what they're here for. They're not here yeah. to give us the spin of, here's the reason why the protagonist wants to go home. They're just here to give us the wish-fulfillment fantasy of super-powered protagonist surrounded by lots of nubile young women who wants to have sex with them, fighting fucking evil and saving the universe.
1: And then riding off into the sunset. Yeah. I, I think I think a big thing that would just help is they just abandon the idea of the character essentially being a blank slate. Obviously, I don't want them to get rid of the decision-making that you do, as low-key as it is. But giving your character, I think, just a bit more definition. Like, I think even having a canon name would be fine. I think it's this this idea of your, quote-unquote, creating your character, that they want to avoid putting in any information at all that would interfere with that. Apart from oh, this is your uncle that you've never spoken to before or that was about it for four. In this you don't have anything at all. Not a damn thing. There there is nothing to immediately connect on to apart from his I've been screwed over by the system.
0: Yeah. I don't even think they necessarily need to like have a canon name per se. So much as I do I do feel like they need to establish a canon backstory for the character so you at least have a vague understanding of why this person who has been displaced would want to return to... Yeah. Because this is the third time now that we've had Stranger in Strange Land comes in and meets all of these new people and, like, spends a year of their life in a place and everything changes and blah, blah, blah. I, I feel like giving us at least a vague understanding of what this person's life is like would be of benefit. Even if I'm supposed to, you know, appropriately associate a life not unlike my own. Listen, like, when I was 17, my life was dick. I would not have fucking returned at that. I would have been like, nah, mom, I'm going to fucking stay here. Deuces. And I would have just, you know, fucking lived out the rest of my life at that point. Because, like, given the choice, I think most people given the choice between hanging out with the persona 5 cast of characters versus their own life at 17 would hang out with the persona 5 cast of characters i don't feel like that's a difficult fucking thing to understand most people would not go back home not
1: not even just the persona 5 characters but the idea is that your character forms intense close bonds with a large group of people and it's just like well my mom gets lonely
0: Yeah, like, listen, you know, I love my fucking family a lot, but given the choice, like, they don't even establish, my mom gets lonely, you know? Like, there is no established reason for the protagonist to want to go back, and the only thing that you are left to do here is to assume that whatever interpersonal relationships that character has are strong enough such that they would want to return to their previous life. But we are never given any actual direct indication of what those relationships might be. And I'm not saying they need to spend 20 hours on the person's life beforehand or whatever, but I wish that they would at least have a character from that person's past text you once in a while. You know, just so you have a tie that indicates why you might want to return.
1: I mean, they could even just throw something in their, like... The, the Japanese, or the rather the Tokyo police, were basically putting pressure on him to just get out of town as part of his release. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that would have fit with the game's theme, even.
0: Well, it's, it's made relatively apparent that he does need to go just because he wouldn't be able to go to school in his hometown. So, yes, it would make a certain amount of sense that he's under that degree of pressure, like, to, to get the fuck out but they they make it apparent that even though he's kind of being followed around like that, that they're going to continue to be followed around to a certain extent like they they the most that they imply is that the cops are interested in what he's doing but it's it's never outright stated that everybody's like get the fuck out of town you need to go if anything sai is basically helped. just like yeah like sai is basically just like you know what you're free do Yeah. I, I would admit, in this case, if, if they had done some type of a deal where it was just like, leave for a while, as part of your, not so much parole because you're you're totally free to go, but as part of your release, like, just go away for a while. At least that would have made sense. But they, they make it apparent you're not only going to stay, but if you develop a romantic relationship with one of these characters, like, that. that's the other thing that's really frustrating. Like, in Persona 4, they make the direct implication that you Narukami is going to be back a yeah. lot. Like in Persona Four Golden, you even come back for Golden Week, but they make the implication you are going to be back. You are going to come back to be with your friends. In Persona five, they make it act like you're leaving. Yeah, I- and you're not coming back. And it's just like they, they, like when you get into your conversation with your significant other, if you have one, they talk about like coming out, you know, to see you and stuff, and it's just like,
1: why? I think it would help if we had any sense of place of where he's supposed to be from. I mean, they they randomly get a van and can drive him there, and it doesn't seem like it would take that long, perhaps. I mean, Japan isn't that big of a place to begin with, but... I mean, if we're, if we're talking he lived legitimately half an hour away in the suburbs somewhere... Okay, we can work with that. But we have no idea...
0: Yeah, and I kind of feel like it comes back to that mentality of you're mostly supposed to care about things that are happening in the moment. You're not necessarily supposed to give a shit about the long term. Like, it's, okay, this story is over, it's done with, but it's, no, Atlas, (laughs) you guys are going to make sequels to this fucking game. We know, you knew that you were going to do that.
1: Even beyond that, even beyond that, it is impossible to play a game that, at minimum, I've seen someone take 60 hours to beat. And think of that as, well, just a short-term thing, <laughs> you know? Like, it, you you build relationships with these characters. You invest in the story, and it just kind of, we're done here at that point.
0: Yeah, I, I, really, I really feel like Atlas, of all people, should probably know better, especially because they're the ones who are going to be coming back and making more stories in this universe. They know they are. They've already bought the fucking domain names to make... 10 more games in this fucking universe.
1: We have no idea exactly how they're going to pull it off, but yeah, <laughs> they'll figure out a way.
0: I don't know. Of all the things that you could have done, I, I, I really wish that Atlas had had more forethought in how they handled the ending of this game in general, because Persona 4... Felt like a game where they, they didn't think they were going to be revisiting it necessarily. At least not to the extent that they did. Not because they'd never it, done it before, had they? No. Persona 3 got two expanded versions in Persona 3 Portable and Persona 3 FES. Did but come out they before? Had never, what's, uh, what's, yes. Um, okay. Well, no. FES came out before Persona 4. Persona 3 Portable came out several years after the fact.
1: Yeah, but even then, neither of those are sequels or of any sort. Whereas, like, you know, after 4 became a thing, you know, they made Dancing All Night and Q and uh, fighting games. Yeah. And I have to assume that they were planning on something like that for 5 if it was even remotely a hit, which, obviously, it's a gigantic hit for them.
0: Oh, yeah. No, though they, th- they had to know that that was going to be a thing they were going to do. That, like, th- this isn't just a thing where they created Persona 5 and then it came out, and then they were like, shit, and went out and bought eight fucking domains, or ten fucking domains. This was always part of the business model. So, yeah. with that in mind, yeah, it's really confusing that we're kind of looking at this now, we're going, okay, where do you go from here? Because, you've written a game where these characters have had their world that they, that they use for Persona stuff erased, and they have kind of written the end of this particular story. Yeah. Like, how do you even go into a sequel at this point? I,
1: I assume it will be something incredibly cheap and something that Telltale Games will look at and think, we can use this for The Walking Dead.
0: Wow. <laughs> that's, you that's, know that's, I'm That's right. a fucking sucker I mean, yeah, that's a fucking <laughs> sucker punch, but yeah. It's just... I'm absolutely certain that whatever they're going to come up with is going to in some way shape or form reestablish the cognitive universe in some way like that they're 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 going to be like well this still exists but different or whatever.
1: It turns out there was a place called Dementos
0: or some shit, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was in a tunnel, not a subway, a tunnel.
0: Yeah, fucking Dementos the fresh maker. Jesus Christ. But I feel like they should have acknowledged that they were going to make a sequel and left that hook there so that we as the players would be like, oh, that's how they get back in. Because I feel like we're probably going to get to a point where they either have to come up with some kind of crazy explanation that leaves a lot of us just going like, all right, this clearly exists so that you could make a sequel or whatever instead of actually being a logical endpoint to it. Or they're going to have to introduce something in Persona 5 Crimson, which is, I don't know what they're going to call it, but that is definitely going to be a thing that happens. Oh, yeah. That allows for that. And it's that's the other thing, is we're going to do a game like a Persona 5 Crimson. All right, but in Persona 4, we had quite clearly established that the possibility existed for us to have time. We just skipped from Christmas to departure day but it was readily apparent that the player character could continue onward if they wish to do so in persona 5 it's okay it's christmas you go into jail and i feel like that's another case where they're they're oh, going God. to have to write it out
1: well I, I only just thought of it i mean what what if they decide to basically have you What what if any new content they add is simply just you in juvenile hall or jail or whatever the hell you're in,
0: they're not gonna do that. That's not gonna happen. That's,
1: well, I mean, that's a month and a half of game time. That's about only a place I could I could realistically see them adding stuff, unless they just want to go. <laughs> there is no way in hell you are ever going to unlock all the stuff in the first playthrough. It, it's just not even possible at this point. You will not read all the books. You will not play all the games. You will desperately try to get the social links, and you might come close. But it's impossible on your first run. It's possible, maybe even on your second run, because you need those bonus items in order to boost your thing just a couple of days.
0: There is a way to do it, but you have to rigidly follow a guide in order to make it happen. And you have to revert state in a lot of cases. Like you can do everything a hundred percent, but this oh, yeah. this is this, this involves. No,
1: like, you, you can't do everything a hundred percent. You can get close.
0: Like you can't. But well, no, you can do most. There are a couple of there are a couple of things you have to do only in a second playthrough. There. There are a couple yeah. things you would have to do in a second playthrough to get a one hundred percent of the trophies. Well, I mean, but... like
1: if you ever want to see what the hell's going on in the maid cafe, if you ever want to do more than one of the batting cages, if you, if you ever just actually want to try fishing, like unless you are just save scumming and just to get the damn trophy,
0: that is that is actually what the guy yeah. that I saw recommends.
1: Yeah. Which I think you probably saw the same guide I did. I mean, I ended up doing that, mostly because the fishing wasn't exciting. And I had already gotten the stupid thing for it, so I didn't go back and do it again. But I did find some time at the end of the year on my New Game Plus to just fuck around on the highest setting of the batting cages. Stuff like that. I actually slept most nights. Or I, or I wasted time. I, went, I was literally done. And I'd actually seen quite a bit on my first playthrough. Because I was trying to boost up my stats, so I tried out the Maid Cafe to boost up my kindness to see what the hell's going on there.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like I'll probably just end up like going and hanging out with people that I've already you know, established stuff with 100%. Oh,
1: it turns out there, there seems to be a limit to that. You can do it, but you stop being able to invite them places. I tried going on a a date a couple of times, and I'd already done it, like, I think, three times or something, and there was no option to go anywhere. It was always just, let's hang out in your room, and it was the same
0: scene. I mean, I guess that's fair. I I don't. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I don't have a problem with that. I can't just, fault
1: them for only putting in three scenes when the previous games had none.
0: Yeah, there's a certain point where it's you're only going to get so much out of that, no matter what you do. I don't yeah. I don't feel like repeating the same couple of scenes. Uh,
1: I'm just I'm just happy that it's there to begin with. That I, I I am not going to complain at all that there's not a ridiculous amount of it.
0: Yeah, because there, if you're playing the game, you're not going to spend your time repeating that stuff necessarily unless you're on a second or a third or a fourth playthrough. You are generally just going to get through the shit that you you have to do in order to yeah. get all of the social links or get all of this or get all of that and you're probably just going to go on dates at the very end around like November or December where it's just like okay, I have some free time, let's do this. You're probably only yeah. going to see two or I, three. I just
1: yeah, I just gave up on a few like I, I looked at how much time was left, and I was like, "It's not happening." So I'm gonna finish up the ones I think I can finish up, and I'm just never gonna go talk to that kid or the fortune teller again.
0: Yeah, I still have not gotten to the point where. We... Which
1: sucks because he is so useful. His abilities, yeah. the kid Shinya. Yeah, I actually. If you're trying to if you're trying to capture treasure demons, oh my god.
0: Oh stopped. yeah, those bullet those bullet skills are fucking amazing. I ended up using those to capture two of the treasure demons at the very end of the game before I reverted over to my second, or before I completed it, just to, because I was just running through mementos, just trying to fill out the last couple of entries in the compendium and be done with it.
1: Oh, did you actually finish your compendium? No,
0: I did not complete three, four of the social links. Oh, yeah. And I'm missing one of the treasure demons that I just did not feel like trying to grind out at that point.
1: All you have to do is craft the uh, thingamabobber. It's not too bad, if, if it's not one of those like three or four that are in the final area of mementos, and you have to hope the right one shows up. If it's one of the earlier ones, those are easy to find. It's it's ridiculous how easy it is.
0: It's one of the it's one of the final ones. Oh shit! Yeah, it's a uh, crystal skull. Not that one. I think the one. Oh, that's the it. rarest one. I think it, yeah, I have the crystal skull. It's uh the one before that, I believe. Hope diamond. I think so.
1: Yeah, that was my last one.
0: Yeah, it's going to be my last one, too. I think I have every single other one but that.
1: Are you able to actually get Satanao?
0: No. I...
1: Oh, you never finished Afumi, did you? No, I did not. That's who you got to get, I think, for one of them. I think Lucifer. No, oh, no, you have Lucifer.
0: No, yeah, I have... I finished Afumi, but there's... I haven't... I'm not level 99 yet to... You don't have to be. Do you? Oh, okay. You can do it right now. I'll have to check, then. I might be missing something. The, uh,
1: the, strength, the strength Arcana. That level ten lets you craft anything as long as you can pay for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. You might want
1: to wait until you're higher level because you will pay through the no. I mean, I paid like oh yeah, that's right, grand. that's
0: right. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. No, I'll just, I'll just wait until I, I waited until
1: I did re- reaper farming, and then I just got the last few.
0: Can I tell you, I, I did not do the flu season trick with the reaper. I just ended up fighting him on safe mode, on safety mode. Oh, I, I fought
1: him regularly too. In the middle of it, just randomly just try it out yeah, okay, if you do if you
0: do the safety di- if you do it on safety difficulty and just watch how many times you fucking die in that battle
1: i I
0: didn't die once. I didn't have any accessories that prevented light and dark.
1: what rank were your when you when you first tried them, what rank was everybody? I mean because they all Level was so attacks and I was able to heal them,
0: yeah, but I mean, you're a
1: social link rank
0: social link rank oh i don't I don't even remember. When I was grinding him, when I was grinding him, everybody was ranked 10. They would stand it oh, once, wow. but he would then just start constantly casting it over again. He was spamming instant death spells.
1: He wasn't really doing that with me. He kept, he kept on trying for weaknesses.
0: Yeah, he kept spamming instant death for me, and I don't know why.
1: Huh. I mean, he he definitely tried uh, he, Mudo and Hamon a couple times, and then he did, I think, one mass one. And uh, Obviously, my main character was immune because I just picked... A really good persona for that but nobody died i mean it also helped that my guys were all exceedingly exceedingly high level they were 99 so we also able to pump out a lot of damage against him although he's still his defenses are ridiculous but i mean i suppose the good news for you is that the twins are not as difficult uh in terms of they don't use any instant death spells they can be an absolute pain in the ass because they will absolutely exploit the hell out of weaknesses but, yeah, no instant death spells is nice. But then again, I mean, you're not technically supposed to ever want to fight the Reaper.
0: Of course, but everybody wants to fight the fucking Reaper, come on.
1: I didn't find his, his uh, items were that great. I uh, like the idea, was it Persona 3 where you got like a legendary weapon for everybody, right? I think it was 4. No, I, I, think, I think it was... It might have been both. No, because 4, you, ha- you got the ultimate weapon by going back and fighting the optional boss in their associated dungeon.
0: No, that was just a good weapon. In Persona oh. Four, every time you fought the Reaper, you would get some rare piece of gear that was equipable by somebody in your current party at the moment. Oh, okay. It wasn't necessarily a definitive thing, but you would get you would get something that would be the best possible piece of gear you could get. There were also accessories that you could get that were super nice.
1: Yeah, that's all he gives you in five is accessories.
0: Yeah, that was the only way you could get like the best gear in that game.
1: I did eventually finally take off the. Uh... The SP regen just off my main character because I had a uh, victory cry <laughs> so every fight it was just regenerating and plus he also had a uh, spell master so I was I could cast uh the best almighty spell for like 12 SP and do that like 20 times in a battle if I needed to so I just gave him the the one that gives you plus five to all stats
0: yeah though I do wish that victory cry hadn't been nerfed I do kind of understand why they had to but in you persona mean that 4, it only does it for him no uh victory cry would only work for him but it was a 100% regen to hit points and magic at the end of battle
1: i think that's what it does in here
0: i believe that it's not that much
1: but i think only like and denial can get it
0: oh that might okay i haven't seen that then because i've seen something similar but i haven't seen that specific skill then if that's the case
1: yeah i think i think that's how it is i think there's stuff like it that does partial stuff
0: Okay, if Victory Cry is a skill that only Satanael can—if if Victory Cry is a skill that only Satanael can get, as opposed to in Part Four where it was on a bunch of the really high-end personas—that might actually be a good reason to equip Satanael. because if yeah, we're— Otherwise, recalled, he's not that great. Yeah, I mean,
1: his defenses are ridiculous. His defenses are like—he—he—he's strong against everything.
0: Yes, but that was the way Izanagi no Okami was, and you never wanted to use him because there were always better options.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he's slightly below in physical strength of the best physical guys and way below the best magical guys in terms of his magic.
0: Yeah, I kind of wish that they had the ability to up people's uh, Persona's stats like they did in Persona 4, where you would, you know, get the card draws and then you could just draw a card that was a stat boost so you could hypothetically boost a Persona all the way up to 99 in every stat.
1: Oh my god, no. I love that. I, I'm, I, no, I'm, I'm just thinking of the sheer amount of grinding that would take. Listen... That's what
0: <laughs> I beat Persona 4 Golden, like, four fucking times. I grinded out more than a few characters to disgustingly high levels that way.
1: Uh, yeah, I suppose if you're using the same Persona throughout several New Game Plus playthroughs, fine. Which I was. I'm, I'm just thinking about doing it once in one playthrough, and and I love the hell out of that game. I've I played the ever-loving hell out of that game, but holy shit.
0: Listen, listen. Like, not in real life, obviously, but, you know... Fucking Lucifer's my jam, dog. You don't even know.
1: <laughs> See, I, I like some of the other ones that just turned out to be lower level in this one. Like, I, I think I used a lot of Cert and os in 4.
0: Yeah. There were ones that were really good in Apocalypse 2 that I had used in SMT4 Apocalypse as well as in Persona 4 that are just not anything at all in this game.
1: Yeah, I do remember you doing that in stream going through a list. Why the fuck is this one level 20? He should be an end level. I think it was like cheeky OG or
0: something. Yeah, because he was an end, he was an end level character. Yeah, he was an end level character in Persona 4. And Persona 5 is just like, no, he, he dick. He bullshit. Fuck that guy. And it's just, what? Why would we do this? Why you do this? <laughs> and I get that, you know, they're going to shift that sort of thing around. And that does make sense there there's that opportunity to spotlight different personas and you don't want every persona to be the same level every single time just because it gets boring clearly yeah but it's just it's just interesting that like Loki was a big deal in Persona 4 and in Persona 5 like I don't think he's here
1: yeah he's a catchie's
0: oh okay but like there's 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 personas who like Ah, uh, what the fuck was the one? Um, Isis, I want to say, was a big deal in Persona 4, and yeah. in Persona 5, like, she ain't shit. Like, you you, no. you, see her as early as the fucking Food of a Dungeon. And, yes. like, it, it, it's thematically appropriate because, you know, Egyptian-themed dungeon,
1: but it's just like,
0: wow, all right, really? Okay.
1: I, I would assume that was the only reason.
0: Oh, yeah, no, they, they definitely swapped a lot of that shit around specifically to adhere to specific dungeon themes and things of that nature. And I get it. Like I said, I don't necessarily feel like they should have every single persona match up to specific power levels. There's there's going to be instances where you definitely want certain shadows to fit in thematically to certain points in the game, and you should be able to shuffle people around. Some some personas are always going to be a certain way. You know, you're you're always going to see the original Pixie really low. You're always going to see Jack Frost really low but there are a bunch that should be flexible dependent upon what you need from them at the moment. That's cool.
1: I think I think it was because they wanted... I, I'd have to double-check, but didn't they just jack up a whole bunch of angels for this to make them end-level personas?
0: I feel like some of them were already powerful in previous games, but kind of, oh, yeah. yeah.
1: I think I think that's basic. That's where a lot of it came from. They bumped an angel up and then moved something else down.
0: Yeah, there were a few of them that, that got heavily jacked up. I will I will acknowledge that. I don't necessarily feel like that's a problem, just because as we said, you know, like that's that's kind yeah. of a thing you need to do, but yeah, that I, I definitely do feel like that happened in a few instances. Alright, let's let's address. There's there's two things that I think that probably could have done with a little bit of workshopping. And one of the major things is The way in which they handle some of the, for lack of a better way of explaining it, the motivations of the bad guys that you face. Right. So, if you look at the different Seven Deadly Sins structures that they have, or the Nine Deadly Sins, as we've established, a lot of them make sense and work in context. Uh, Futaba, for example, fills in as Sloth. Fine, because if you, you look at her bedroom, holy fucking shit that is a lot of goddamn garbage for any one person to have in a physical space.
1: She's a literal shut-in.
0: Like she's
1: afraid to go outside. She's I mean she's I think she's straight up agoraphobic. Is the idea. Or people phobic, whatever the hell that is.
0: No, I know what you're talking about. She she definitely has an anxiety issue when it relates to dealing with people and a big part of her social link conversation is helping her deal with people in any capacity and given everything that she went through in her life you know what that's that's pretty reasonable i can i can nod and go yes i understand why you would have problems dealing with human beings especially if you know a whole bunch of people randomly showed up at your house and told you that it was all your fucking fault that your mother died like i don't i don't feel like that would be a thing that would be productive toward helping a kid grow up normally also aside how fucked up do you have to be as an organization to not only, like, sort of put the blame on a kid, but to actively, like, show up at that kid's fucking house after their parent died and read off a fucking message that is basically like, yeah, your mother died, it's all your fucking fault. Who fucking does yeah, that?
1: I, I, I don't see why it couldn't have been something as simple as I found my work too stressful. <laughs> like, they they just... Went after Futaba for no damn reason.
0: Yeah, I I felt like that was extremely fucking weird. I,
1: I mean, I guess they were hoping that if the family members had someone to blame, they wouldn't look too much into it. That's about the only possible explanation I can get. And of course, even that just is it, horrible. But. Yeah, that's about all I got on that. Like, that's, that's all I can think of, is, is that they were hoping that the family members wouldn't look too much into it, wouldn't investigate into it, if they believed they had someone to blame and could write it off as that.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, that's 100% what actually happens. I just think it's, it's from a structural perspective, I just feel like it it's it kind of is that thing that sort of crosses the boundary from being just fucked up to being cartoonishly evil. Yeah. Like, It's one thing to kill a person and steal their research. It's another thing to then blame that on a fucking 10-year-old or whatever. Like, to the extent that they did. Like, you watched that conversation happen through Futaba's recollection, and holy fucking shit! Like, if it wasn't for the fact that they do so much other cartoonishly evil bullshit... Like, that would probably be the point where you're like, look, I don't fucking care. I'll fucking throw you under the bus. I don't give a shit. The, the, I find it weird, like, how the, timetables, how the timetables line up in general, just in context, just because we're, we're kind of left in this situation where you, you have to start asking the question of, okay, wait, exactly how long has Akachi been doing this shit? Because... Two years? Like we don't really know exactly how old Futaba is when her mother dies. We know it's there's some amount of time that elapses, but we don't know how long it's been and we're we're left to take the understanding from it that Futaba was younger when this happens
1: i i well, she remember she's also the youngest I think she's just turned fifteen when you meet her or something like that she she's so i mean it wouldn't be unreasonable if she was. 12 or 13 when it happened
0: yeah that's the one thing that really kind of is is kind of odd for me is trying to rectify that because we're told quite clearly that Akechi is the guy who's been doing all the murders and it's just so weird to attempt to directly associate the idea of okay so if Akechi did the murder how old is he now and how old was he when he originally started doing the murders like, even if we assume that he's 18 right now, what, like, what, if if we... Well, that
1: that's a pure. I mean, he's not ever shown to be in high school.
0: He says that he's in high school several times, well, but he could he be fucking lying it. for all we know. Yeah. He could be 20, 25. We don't fucking know. It's just, we're going by his say-so, but the game never... But
1: we also do know that they haven't been doing this for more than a couple of years.
0: Yeah, but it's just... It's, Three at most. It's just interesting trying to rectify... The idea of, okay, how long has Akechi been doing this? How good is Akechi at doing this? Et cetera, et cetera. Like, there are questions. I have questions about the way that this stuff works out logistically. It's fine. I'm not mad about it. It's just, I have questions. I I also kind of feel like... Well, getting back to the whole concept for greed. I, I feel like the gluttony aspect of how the character is represented from The Seven Deadly Sins is very much a case of like, okay, you're a glutton because you're fat. And it's just, yeah. what?
1: Everything about his character, his dungeon, everything we know greed. about him is, is greed. But nope, he, he's gluttony because he's fat.
0: Yeah, like, I, I legitimately feel like you could have done gluttony more as Haru's father just because, like, he actually runs a burger joint.
1: You would have had to rework the dungeon, but that's about it. You could have easily somehow pull it off, and you wouldn't have even had to. I mean, I think that would even be better because he, he's a thin guy. Yeah, I think that would have been thematically more interesting, but yeah, because you... I mean, the factory itself, the the one you go through, isn't really a burger factory, so it it doesn't really work as a gluttony fact level, but it could easily be turned into one.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree you could have put a little bit more emphasis on the fact that it is a burger place as opposed to just leaving it as it was. And I feel like there's definitely an opportunity where that could have been made into gluttony and would not have been particularly shocking in the least. No. I also feel like you could have done a better emphasis on making the Mafia boss guy into an actual gluttony character beyond just making him fat. Like they, I, they, they there try was to, nothing. Yeah, they try to make it emphasis. They try to put the emphasis on him being a glutton just in general, rather than him specifically being a you know a glutton in the way that we understand it.
1: I suppose if we're going to stretch this, we could say something akin to him devouring the lives of students because because he's targeting children basically, and and hitting them all up for basically chump change. He's not running a major scam on on adults or anything like that that maybe that's what they're going with we're talking because he, cause he's supposed to be an adult that is scamming children yeah that's that's about as far as i can go with it i mean and that's a stretch in and of itself and it didn't really cover that in terms of i mean she uh, uh, makoto calls him a greedy bastard when she gets her persona yes a greedy bastard. I mean, they they were careful with those keywords beforehand, so...
0: Yeah, and greed is directly represented later on down the line, specifically in Okumura, the guy who runs the burger company. Like, in a broad sense, you could have swapped those without it being a particularly big deal. You could have changed just a little bit of the theming of the outer space thing... And made it so that it was more obviously a gluttony deal. And they don't. They just... They have two guys who are both presented as being greedy. And they represent one as being greed and one as being gluttony. And it's just very strange. Very strange. I don't... Yeah. I don't feel like they thought that one through particularly well.
1: Or it was just Japan being Japan. And being just fat people or the devil.
0: Yeah. That comes up a few times. And... uh, you know, to be, to be clear, Japan definitely does have its issues with fat people in general, as we saw from the game that you had reviewed.
1: The Caligula effect. Yeah.
0: Right. As well as in Persona 4 with Hanako and just how she is just demonized just for being fat. Clearly Japan has issues with the fat just in general, which is fine. It is what it is. But like, aside from him being fat, there's nothing to work with. Like, it's like the characters who, aside from them being gay, there is no joke there. It's just, oh, we're gay guys trying to molest a sixteen year old. Ha ha, isn't that funny? Well, no, yeah. there there's no joke there except for the fact that they're just weird creepers because they're gay. Like it doesn't you're not doing anything with that.
1: Also just how fucking random those scenes are. Yeah. They, they don't do anything. I I mean as horrible as all the stuff with kanji was, at least it was consistent and part of his character. But this is just, we're hanging out and then randomly Ryuji gets abducted.
0: Yeah, and then we're hanging out in Hawaii and randomly Ryuji gets abducted again by the same fucking guys. Why? 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 Why is this here? Did you, did you think that you couldn't go an entire game without making a gay joke? Because you could have and it would have been fine. The, the
1: only, only good thing I can say about this is at least it's less.
0: Yeah, they, they isolate it to two specific scenes in the game, and then you just don't come back to that. So that's yeah. not the worst thing, but it is a very strange conversation, just in general.
1: Yeah, but it added nothing. It wasn't even funny.
0: Yeah, it, it's even as like a joke, it's just, oh, you're just going to be molested by two guys. Ha ha! What? No.
1: I mean, maybe if you're an Adam Sandler fan, you might find that funny.
0: Yeah, but I don't
1: think Adam Sandler fans are playing Persona Five.
0: No, and I don't. I just I don't feel like you know we need to cater to that particular type of sense of humor. It's you know whatever. Yeah. It's it's just even as jokes go, it wasn't a particularly creative or interesting one.
1: No, it would have fit in quite nicely in Leisure Suit Larry box office bust.
0: Yeah, and the last thing I kind of want to get to is just in general. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Like, we've been having different conversations on the internet about characters and how they work and how they relate and how they're written and so on. And, like, a lot of people, I feel, are saying, like, oh, this character's really good, that character's really good. And, like, a lot of people are just, you know, Makoto is the best character and so on. And I find it interesting in that I don't agree, not because I don't think Makoto is a good character. I just don't know whether I like the characters from Persona 4 or Persona 5 better because here's the thing. In Persona 4, I I clearly have a couple of characters that I'm definitely like, these characters are great. I think they're awesome. In Persona 5, I can't definitively like narrow it down to one character or two characters. I, I have several different characters that I'm just latched on to mentally that I think like all of these characters are great and I don't know if it's because the Persona 4 characters are so much better that we stick to that particular character or that we're interested in that particular character or whatever or if it's that the Persona 5 characters are so much better overall that it's hard to pick like is it because there are a few standout characters in Persona 4 that are overall better? Or is it because so many of the characters in Persona 5 are so great, you know?
1: It could be a, a mix of it, I guess. I don't know. I it, it also, I mean, depends on the person. Their ability to connect with specific characters. But it, it's a tough one to go with, I suppose. I mean, I have favorite characters in each game, essentially. So I, I suppose, for me, I, I don't have that... Everyone in five is awesome, you know. Scenario. I, I'm just kind of not a fan of Haru, even on the second playthrough, even after seeing her entire story, she just doesn't interest me at all.
0: I don't know. I liked Haru. I thought Haru was a good character. I mean, I know like a bunch of people have been like, oh well, she's you know she's a character who you know exists for too long, and it's like it's it's just one character too much. And it's you know what, her introduction is bad. I will grant, but I feel like the character as she is is pretty fucking great. Like, the introduction of the character is terrible. The, the whole, I'm fucking Sailor Moon, basically, deal, but also the Scarlet Pimpernel is weird. And I don't 100% understand why they do that the way that they do. But once you get past that, and the annoyance surrounding having to chase down Morgana, I feel like Haro as a character really comes into her own well. And listen, anybody that likes coffee that much, I'm on board with. but i feel like also her her character stuff is really endearing you know maybe for the wrong reasons but it's really endearing like they have that sequence where you're driving around in the car and she's just like do any of you guys get a rush when you have a shadow begging for its life and you're like what (laughs) like i'm pretty sure that she's a fucking yandere and she's gonna fucking kill someone like in the real world someday and it's gonna be fucking amazing Like, there's just little bits where, like, it's clear, like, she's thirsty as hell for that dick, like, from the moment that you start actually doing her social link stuff to the point where if you don't actively go through her social link romantically at the end of the game, she takes it the hardest, and then when you Mm -hmm. get to the very end and you are going and rescuing everybody, is the only one who's like, if you're not in a relationship with her, she's like, I always secretly fantasized about you doing something like this. What?
1: Oh, yeah. And then, right at the end, when you go to talk to everybody, she even just kind of makes... She, I think she makes a comment about, like, going to visit you or something, or building a restaurant close to your home. Like, she's not over you. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, I, mean, I don't dislike her. I'm just... I didn't really... I, I might have also been my mindset when I was going through her thing, because she is literally the last person that... You
0: finish off. Which is interesting because Naoto is considered to be one of the very best characters with her introduction, but Naoto is also way more foreshadowed in the narrative.
1: She's in there from like the very beginning, isn't she? Like
0: Naoto? She shows Not...
1: up before you go into Kanji's dungeon, and yes. Kanji's is the second dungeon.
0: Yes, like she's... So I mean
1: Haru shows up in randomly in a cutscene. Do we have no idea who she is? She shows up randomly in Hawaii, you don't even know her name at that point.
0: Yeah, like, you're introduced to Naoto Shirogane pretty much from the moment of Kanji's dungeon period. You only really interact with Naoto yourself once, getting information about Kanji to save him. But from that point onward, Naoto is constantly showing up. I want to say Naoto briefly shows up during the Risei Kujikawa stuff and then immediately afterward like once you go to Tatsumi Port Island Naoto is a huge part of that interaction you are given a lot of Naoto's narrative value way early
1: oh yeah it's made clear that Naoto is an important character be- way before beyond just that person has a character portrait
0: Right. Hmm. Haru, the first time you're introduced to her is when she's getting into the car at the fireworks festival and you see her for three seconds.
1: No, uh, Nobody nobody sees her in, in terms of the game except for Makoto, who just randomly goes, Oh, I thought I know that person.
0: Yeah. The next time that you interact with her in any significant way is Hawaii, which at that point, you have just gotten Futaba into the team like a month or so before that, and I believe that that is the point where you are actively gearing up to go and do the next dungeon, because like that's that's the dungeon that Haru gets introduced in. You don't really meet Haru as a character until the Hawaii trip, which is when you go back to school.
1: No, I mean, even then, you, you don't meet Haru as a character until it comes up in Morgana's thing. Because, I mean, you, you, when you talk to her from Hawaii, it's basically like, oh, you go to our school. Okay,
0: and that's it. Yeah, like you interact with her on some fundamental level at that point. You don't really get to know her until the Morgana situation. And its I feel like that's a big part of the difference is Naoto is always established as being an important character, as being a character that means something. Haru is very much a character who doesn't really become relevant until the moment where yeah. you start doing the shit in her dad's dungeon and it's frustrating because naoto is given so much more space to grow as a character and become someone haru is entirely haru's initial character exposition is entirely encompassed within the annoying shit you have to deal with to get back morgana and it sucks and it it hurts that character a lot you're given a massive amount of narrative dump immediately afterward to try and get Haru over as something. It's like, it, it, it feels like you're dealing with, to tie it back into another one of our nerdy pastimes, a Roman Reigns situation, where they're desperately <laughs> trying to beat Haru over, not even so you think she's the best character, but so you like her at all at that point. And it's just, oh, all right, this is what we're doing now. Okay. Okay.
1: I'm also I'm having trouble remembering exactly and for my my the layout of the dungeons. Do you do Naoto's dungeon before or after you do what the hell's his name Mukuro?
0: No. The fish fish I dude. Oh. The next 5 minutes of conversation were Interactions between myself and Aaron, attempting to figure out the names of two characters from Persona 4 whose names we could not remember. In the interest of expediency, I went and looked them up after the fact, and we were looking for Mitsuo Kubo and Taro Namatame. Thank you.
1: Yeah, but don't, I think you do Nauto before you do the...
0: You do Naoto before you do the Heaven Dungeon. Which is but, where... But which after is, the other one, then? Yes. Okay. They, they have that dungeon. That dungeon is basically the a Dungeon here you do yukiko's dungeon you do yuki's castle then kanji's dungeon then rise's dungeon
1: so i mean i mean at least with naoto as, as part of the group it feels like she's there for i mean she's given actual focus haru is with the group and the group is like we're gonna disband and she, she, everyone's like oh no and I'm like haru has been here for like five minutes
0: yes and Haru Haru doesn't actually show up at that point. Haru doesn't show up until after the group has disbanded. And then Morgana's like, "Oh, well. No, no, no. I I
1: mean like uh when you go into the casino and a catchy bit f- black Oh, yeah. You know, you yeah, yeah.
0: Like- no, okay. No, I get what you're saying. Haru yeah. has been there for one battle and, you know, to be fair, we we inadvertently got her father killed, but yeah, the next the next battle, it's okay. Well, we're going to break the group up. Yeah, she's been there for a dungeon I feel like if they had established that character more, it would have worked better.
1: What, what I think what gets me about her character right there is, is that her father died, and she gets over that real quick. And I, I mean, I think it would have been interesting if it turned out she was the traitor, because, like, you you assholes killed my father. Like, you said that wasn't going to happen. But she believed the thieves pretty damn quickly at the idea that they didn't do it. I mean, I, I suppose their reaction to him dying felt genuine enough
0: i also feel like it's a very unconventional situation so i i'm not going to be like you know this is not an appropriate way to deal with this because fuck me if i were in that position in real life i don't know how i'd react
1: yeah that's that's why i i'm not like calling it bad or anything like that i think it's just what distanced me distanced me from her yeah i feel like the one thing i just don't have a handle on who the hell you are lady
0: yeah, the one thing that's really frustrating is that if they had wanted to introduce Haru as a character, it would have been so fucking easy to do it.
1: Yeah, like, have her show up.
0: It's, it's simple. In the beginning of the game, when you're going up to the rooftop to do different stuff, just have the main character run into her up there prior to everybody else showing up. Have yeah, her, she's supposed like, to be gardening be the there. whole fucking time. Yeah, have her go up there, like, be up there doing her gardening. And she's just like, oh, you know, don't mind me. And, like, you bullshit a little have bit. have a scene
1: where she talks to Makoto and is like, why did you have the roof closed off? You know I garden up there, bitch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, give us something to work with. There there were so many instances where you could have easily introduced that character and had it be completely natural. Like, they, they give us all this time where the main character is interacting with Akechi. Like, constantly having Akechi show up. You could have had Haru fucking show up at LeBlanc like you know as research for her coffee shit like and you know that could have been a point where the main character meets haru the whole team doesn't have to know haru but the main character can know haru and that could yeah, actually even give just them, another character yeah like we needed for them to actually have some type of tie-in and i hope
1: i mean they did is... that with like with every i think everybody. i mean makoto they did it with i mean yusuke was somebody that they actively went out and met so that made sense yeah. And we had time to meet him and talk to him. We had all those scenes with him. And then with Futaba, it was the same thing. We had, You know, she existed somewhat a little beforehand, but then we had to actively go out and meet her. With Haru, she was just there
0: all of a sudden. Well, Futaba only just exists at the moment that we meet her. We're given some build-up to her character being in the group, but she mostly only exists as a character from the moment that we meet her and a couple of foreshadowing scenes beforehand.
1: Yeah, we have some... Uh, fourth wall breaking moments. The
0: problem is that Haru is introduced right before the run-up to the end. Futaba gets like two months to exist as a character before... And she
1: gets a lot of of personal time. Yes! Yes, exactly. Even after her dungeon.
0: Haru gets nothing build-up-wise. We get 30, like two seconds of her getting into a car, like ten lines of dialogue with her in Hawaii, and then boom, we're off to the fucking greed dungeon and we're dealing with Haru as a character there. Compare that to the amount of time that Futaba gets to develop as a character. She gets months of fucking time, not even counting just her social link interactions. We interact with her regularly. We're we're shown a lot of key character information here. Haru, we get two brief interactions. The whole thing with fucking Morgana the sequence where we walk around the school with her and then Disney World.
1: Yeah, as, as far as I can tell, maybe they're trying for something like they did with Teddy and Risei, but that worked because the Teddy thing came out of nowhere. You, you know, where the whole, the whole dungeon had been about Risei the whole time, and then Teddy saves them, and then all of a sudden he's fighting, you're fighting his shadow. That worked. I don't know if that's what they were trying to do, a sort of version of that with Haru and Morgana. I don't think so. But it it didn't work because Morgana was the character we knew and cared about, and Haru was just some random chick he picked up.
0: Well, not only that, but... Like, I don't think that's specifically where they were trying to go with that per se, because I feel like that was more of a case of them attempting to establish two characters as combat-class characters in one shot, like, to give the, the... This is why teddy is being replaced scenario and like just get that over and done with more or less because it's also worth noting that teddy exists from the very beginning right yeah teddy is always there but he's just not a combat class character he's just an analyst so we have to rapidly get four parties onto the team in short fucking order so we've got Yuki we got Yosuke and Shia introduced and then Yukiko immediately joins at the end of her dungeon. Boom, that's our four party cast. So we can get Teddy in later as needed. Here it's we needed to establish those four characters cuz we're not getting somebody at the end of the dungeon like we were in Persona 4. So Morgana has to be a combat character from day 1. Yeah. Like I feel like the Haru thing is just they saw how things work with Nauto and just didn't have a way to fit Haru in or couldn't think of a way to fit Haru in. So, Haru gets that unfortunate side effect of just being a character who exists. And.
1: I will say, the one thing they did give us is that it is incredibly quick and easy to go through her social link. Like, it, I think it's every time you visit her, it goes up. You don't ever have to hang out with her separately as long as you're not, like, completely messing up the prompts.
0: Yeah, Naoto was the same way. Though, it's interesting to note that. Haru is, I think, the only character who actively has multiple three stars, like, in every, in every option that you have. Like, there's several characters who do not have a lot of big wins on theirs. And with Haru, she always has a choice that you can make that is a super best possible choice. Which, to be fair, I think is because she's thirsty as fuck, but yeah. at least it works thematically. Um, but it's kind of like Naoto, where there was always a best choice with Naoto, and you could always finish off Naoto so long as you brought a compatible persona in ten goes. You could finish her off without it being difficult, because that character is so late in the fucking narrative.
1: Also, I would like to just randomly mention, I am just annoyed as hell about the fact that what she gives you is gardening boosts. And while those items are useful, you can't use them in battle.
0: I find it kind of annoying that she gives you gardening boosts in that you don't unlock gardening until the moment that you meet her.
1: I mean, once you get, to, I think, to level 7 and like you're doubling how much you're getting and it's like 4 days, I mean, you can get a lot of harvesting done and the items are fantastic. They're a lot better than the things you got in Persona 4. So they're more, more worthwhile to actually do. But, yeah, that just felt tacked
0: on yeah i mean to be fair like the the way that it was put into persona 4 was it was tacked on but yeah i i do feel like there's a certain amount of well at least it makes sense as to why it's tacked on in this case because it was just a thing that was added in and we just did it because we wanted to have that in general whereas they, they, they did
1: a fairly decent job of of mingling it in in terms of it, you know you're boosting your time with Nanako and
0: yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter they they
1: have like the grocer who will sell you stuff and like i think some random quests for people who will ask for vegetables and stuff like that yeah so they integrated it
0: at least here it's just you're only just growing like the same couple of things that are clearly just useful in dungeons and they introduce it so late that like it almost feels like why is this even here
1: yeah and the items are fantastic, but when I found out I couldn't actually use them in battle, I was I I was ready to flip a table or something.
0: Yeah, there there are definitely a few points where it's like because that
1: that was the whole I was like grinding them up. I was preparing to use them against the twins. And I think I think I was actually in a battle with the Reaper when I was actually fighting him. And I went to go use one, and I'm like, it's not here. Son of a bitch.
0: Yeah, that was that was not necessarily against the Reaper, but that was how I discovered that was trying to use it in a different capacity and being like, oh, that's they not a thing I can use in battle. And desperately
1: need a sort feature for those items when you're in battle.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of there are a lot of fucking items in that goddamn game, like more so than mm-hmm. there have been in any others, and I just don't get the item redundancy. But it is what it is.
1: No. Uh, that, that was, that's, that, that's the only cluttered part of the whole damn game.
0: Yeah. I I kind of wish that maybe we had less realism as it relates to that just because I don't I don't need that much shit. I just don't and I don't think most people do, honestly. But
1: I had like 30 of each vending machine item.
0: Yeah, especially the sodas, Jesus Christ. But all right, I feel like we like we've been going on for about 2 hours at this point. So, I feel like that's probably as good a place as I need to wrap up. But I do want to say thank you very much to Mr. Aaron Sorois for joining me today on this podcast. I appreciate it.
1: It's not a problem. Enjoy it quite, my, you know, I enjoy it myself.
0: <laughs> but if you like what you heard today, feel free to check us out on the web. Uh, if you wanted to listen to more of the podcast, you can find it over at soundcloud.com slash markbwriting. We're also available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and anywhere else where podcasts are hosted. If you want to follow along on social media, you can find me over on Twitter at MarkBWriting and Facebook at home. And you can also follow along with my streams over on Twitch, also at MarkBWriting, where we play various video games, at this point, presently Persona 5, actually, on Sundays starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And Aaron, where can they check you out at?
1: Primarily, diehardgamefan.com, where you can see my reviews, and Twitter, where my handle is S.
0: Alright, and on that note, join us next time when our topic will be Why your Persona 5 waifu is shit. On behalf of Aaron, this is Mark B. saying, stay safe out there, junkers.